just as a kid, it creates kind of the worldwide playground in a sense. All right. Um, what are some of the players you looked at in terms of looking at things from their game or players you study that you incorporate into your own bit? Um, I would say, I mean, with this being my second year in the league, of course I've been looking up to the players that are playing WNBA now. So a lot of it was Simone Augustus, Donna Tarasi, and Elena Beard, really. All, all for, with, with Elena. And Tamika Catches. And Tamika Catches. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about Catch because someone, yeah. I read somewhere someone was, that's the first name that came to mind when looking at Trump yeah. in your year. I mean, I love her as a player and as a person too. She's the first one, defense, just across sports, yeah. kind of just overvalued. People don't pay as much attention to it as they should. Um, with you, what what does that side of the ball mean to you? And then your initial reaction last year when you found out you got a second team more defense. Yeah, I mean, it's important. I feel like, I mean, it's a really cliche term, but defense wins championships. I feel like we can score with the best of them. Um, but the thing that'll make us different this year and help us stand out even more with our defense, I think. So for me personally, it's something I feel like I can bring to the team as far as energy level and being defensive and just being active on that end. And what was the other question? Just, I think you got it. Yeah. Oh, I guess your reaction to making second team more defense. Oh yeah, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> just coming in as a rookie and playing defense like that. I mean, you got people in this league that guard the best player every night and that wasn't necessarily my job. So to be, to not be on the best player every night, but to still get that, I mean, it's a testament to my team, really, because they really cover me a lot when I overhelp and different things like that. Right, um, this year, I know we've talked a little bit. You've been showing more of your offensive game this year, especially attacking off the bounce. Mm -hmm. Is that something just like a comfort level for you, too, or more of what Coach G is asking of you? Kind of what the coaches are asking of me in the sense that I can't set up for my jumper all the time, knowing that I got to keep people honest. So that's been a big thing, trying to find a way to get to the rim or find a kick out or just, I mean, add to my game, not be predictable, really. I, um, growing up, did you play multiple sports? Yeah, I mean, in middle school, well, as a kid, yeah, I played um, soccer. I tried to run track. I won't say I did. Yeah, that was, that was bad. Um, I played volleyball, and I was a dancer. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel those things? Just piggyback. How do you feel those things help, like, with sports? Just the other thing. Um, I mean, just as a kid. You get to be a kid. You get to go around, have fun, do things you don't really know how to do, but you try to figure out how to learn to do them. I mean... Just as a kid, it creates kind of the worldwide playground in a sense. All right. Um, what are some of the players you looked at in terms of looking at things from their game or players you study that you incorporate into your own bit, female or male players? Um, I would say, I mean, with this being my second year in the league, of course I've been looking up to the players that are playing WNBA now. So a lot of it was Simone Augustus, Donna Tarasi, Elena Beard, really. All, all for, with, with Elena? And Tamika Catches. And Tamika Catches. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about Catch because someone yeah. I read somewhere someone was, that's the first name that came to mind when looking at Trump yeah. in your rookie year. I mean, I love her as a player and as a person too. She's like amazing. I mean, um, but she's probably one of the best two-way players to ever play in this league. And so for me, that's just encouragement because that's something I want to do. I want to be able to be good on both ends of the floor. All right, how much of Coach T's history did you know from like the personal personnel standpoint, both uh -huh. with the NBA and WNBA? Um, you know, prior to you being drafted? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know too much, but um, Coach Tina know, knew Coach T. So um, we talked about him a little bit once I got drafted because we didn't know right. how everything was going to happen. Uh, but I won't say I knew everything about him. I, I didn't know very much about him. I knew his name, but that was it, really. All right, now that you know a little bit more about him, yeah. Um, you know, he's had an eye for talent, both on the uh -huh. men's and women's side, going back to Jordan with the Bulls. Yeah. 
has it registered to you that 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 guy with the eye for talent saw something yeah, in you? I, for sure. <laughs> I mean, when I got drafted seven, a lot of people were curious as yeah. to why. Um, and so for me, after talking to him and just getting to know him better, it's kind of a like, this wasn't an accident. This isn't a joke. He doesn't just pick people out of the litter, you know, like right. he studied my game and different things like that. So for someone of that IQ to actually like the way that I play and understand that I can grow and get better, it's huge. Is it like a pressure or you just embrace, like it's, is um, it excitement? Yes, pressure. <laughs> I mean, what's not pressure in this sport at this level? Um, but it's a fun pressure. It's a pressure that it's more of a not, you have to become this, it's more of a what will you become? So that feels good. All right, lastly, I don't know if you're a big gamer or not, mm -hmm. but just with, obviously you guys already know that yeah. WBNN 2K20, right? Yeah. On purpose, instead of live, where they kind of get y'all dirty. Um, one, do you play or not really? I don't play it much. I wish I did. Okay. My little brother never let me play his game, so. All right, going with your yeah. little brother. What do you think it means? Not only for your little brother, but yeah. girls coming up where, like we grew up, we it was NBA Live, NBA whatever, yeah. the whole time. From a woman's standpoint, they get the, the whole I way mean, up. Yeah, it's pretty dope. I think just in the gaming industry period, you have a lot of a lot of more women. Okay. Um, I don't know why she did that. It, but, it's um, all good. Uh, I feel like in the gaming industry, there are a lot of women that are enjoying it more. I mean, we got a gamer on our team, AP. She travels with the Xbox. Yeah. Like, you got stuff like that. I mean, and you got little girls that are also getting into coding and different things like that. So to actually put us in the game and recognize that, yeah, we play this game, like, we can be gamers, we can be hoopers. Like, I mean, it's just adding to the generation that's really focused on showing women that they can be any and everything that they want to be. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Focus TV. Got Octavia Wyatt here, Cardo Dudley, Wilson Tarpe Jr. There is so much to talk about, so much to discuss. It was uh, definitely was a pleasure sitting down with Miss Ariel Atkins. For those of you that follow the Mystics, you know she's not exactly the most talkative person. Um, she kind of lets her action speak which you know, nobody here really has an issue with, and her game does a lot of talking. But we have a lot to talk about. I tell you, I know you're excited. We got the week one of the NFL right around the corner. Um, it's pretty much here. Uh, you know, we all got a chance to get out to Bird Stadium, College Park this week, check out the season, the home opener for the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, some DC United news. Obviously, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Mystics. We got some rapid fire, can't wait to see what Cardell has for us there. But uh, with the Terps, Mike Loxley's debut. I would call it a success. Uh, yeah. I think that's a bit of an understatement, but again, <laughs> it's just one game. Nobody here, you know, we don't do the thing where we get crazy excited over one game. Not what we practice here, but it was one heck of a start. Um, I just want to ask you guys your, your thoughts about it. I'd say you and Cardo. Um, I will first off by saying it was definitely a hard game to watch, <laughs> just as a standpoint of a fan. <laughs> but if you're a Maryland Terps fan, it should have been an amazing game for you to watch. Um, for them to be able to see their entire, basically entire, you know, team actually get game time reps, that's, you know, that's huge, especially in the first game. And to be able to have broken as many records as they did um, on Saturday, you know, 28 in the first quarter, 28 in the second quarter, which gives them 54 for the first, I'm sorry, 56, I can't count, excuse me, um, for the first half, which was another record that they broke. Um, Quarterback, new quarterback, Josh Jackson, broke a record as well for throwing. Um, I believe it was three touchdowns in the first quarter, but he had four all together. But, you know, it was it was one of those games 
from Maryland, they were clicking on all cylinders and even listening to Loxley after, you know, them even saying that they basically just took what Howard gave them in the beginning, not really knowing what they were going to do. Um, so they basically made them have to throw the ball. And he was happy that his quarterback stepped up and even some of the younger wide receivers stepped up as well. Um, they even got their their fourth string quarterback in there. You know, that's a lot of confidence builder for people down the line, you know, because nowadays in sports, you never know when you're going to need somebody. So everybody has to be ready at all times. So for them to get that many people in and get game time experience is definitely helpful. Um, you know, for them to have done it as efficiently as they did was kind of crazy, you know, although you do be remiss that and this is no you know dig against Howard but it was Howard you know against a Big Ten school it's definitely going to be a lopsided victory um, I'm sure Maryland and Howard both didn't think it would be as bad as it was but um, both of them have things that they can take back home and work on and I'm sure Maryland is not just taking this win as you know end all be all there there were still things that he wanted to take away from the game um, there was some some penalties that he wanted to get together and, and making sure that everybody's on the same page. But all in all, you know, to keep them from what one or two first downs, you know, under a hundred games, uh, I'm sorry, under a hundred yards, total yards for the entire game. It was about 68 to 630 as far as the discrepancy between the teams. So it was an all-in-out great showing, you know, for the new Maryland Terrapins under the Locksley era. And you can only be happy with the win, you know. But like he said, they celebrated it for 24 hours, which was Sunday, and they back to work yesterday and today and getting ready for the next game this Saturday against Syracuse, which is going to be drastically different from the game that we just saw this past week. I'm proud of your thoughts, and then, you know, slide into what you think about the, the matchup against Syracuse. I mean, it was just ideal, you know. Get in, take them out, keep them moving. You know, no disrespect to Howard, but they did what they Maryland did what they were supposed to do. You know, why waste time? Uh, start the season off with a bang. You know, you don't have time to even play with you know inferior opponents. Just being honest, you know, and um, you, you go in, you beat them, try to get out injury free, mm -hmm. and you get ready because the dogs are coming. And that's what he's kind of gearing. That's what those type of wins for. Even though they were blowing them out, you still try to have. You still try to be on point with your play. You don't let bad habits seep in because if they do seep in, it's a you know they they'll cost you later with the with the top teams because those top teams will look to exploit those weaknesses and those bad habits and they will do it. So you know just establish good habits. First game on is there you know like I say everything's new. They 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 you know I know they've been practicing with them scrimmaging, but it was the first time under the lights with him in their ear, you know making adjustments seeing. They, you know, just as he's learning about his players, the players are learning about him. So it was a, it was a, you know, like you couldn't ask for a better beginning. But it gets tougher this Saturday when they take on um, 22nd ranking Syracuse. Uh, you know, Syracuse won their opener. Obviously, they shut out uh, Liberty. But this will be a great test for, you know, Maryland, especially their quarterback, Josh Jackson. He was crazy fishing. He set a lot of records. But with the Orange men, their strength is their defense. They have multiple all-conference, I mean, all-ACC, all-Americans in their front four and definitely in their secondary. So they're going to have to bring it. They're going to have to be efficient with their play all around. And this will be a nice test to really, truly see kind of where Maryland is right now 
you know what I'm saying, and what they can be moving forward. Uh, and on offense, you know, you can't ignore their running back, Mo Neal. Uh, he's on the Dope Walker Award watch list, which is given to the nation's top running back. Uh, he led the team in rushing as a junior with 869 yards and five touchdowns, averaging 5.6 yards on 155 carries uh, in a win over Liberty, near rush for 89 yards on 14 carries, which was about 6.4 yards per carry and a touchdown. As I mentioned, their defense is strong. Uh, they lost two starting linebackers last, from last season, and Orange was held Liberty, still held Liberty to negative four rushing yards. Uh, finished with eight sacks, 14 tackles for a loss, and forced four turnovers. Uh, it's actually Syracuse's first shutout of an opponent on the road since 1991 when they blanked Tulane 24-0. Yeah, and they're, they're not to be played with. Uh, their front four is among the best in college with CNs, Kendall Coleman, Alton Robinson, and defensive tackles Josh Black and KJ Ruff. Coleman and Robinson are both on the Ted Hendricks Award with preseason watch list given to the top defensive ends in football. Syracuse is one of three schools with two players on that list. The pair combined for an ACC best 20 sacks in 2018, each posting 10 sacks last season. Uh, also keep an eye on the Q's secondary. Uh, sophomore free safety Andre Sisco led the NCAA in interceptions as a true freshman, not a red shirt, you know, and got injured, got another year to get up, get reps. No, as a true freshman, became the first true freshman program in history to earn All-American honors. Uh, the six-foot Cisco finished with six tackles and an interception against Liberty. Also look look out for red shirt sophomore cornerback Ifiatu Melifonwu, 6'3", 207. Cornerback finished with six tackles, one interception in the pass breakup and, and win over Liberty. And redshirt senior cornerback Christopher Frederick, another quality corner in his own right, finished with seven tackles and a win over Liberty. So they definitely had their work cut out for him this Saturday. Yeah, and just being around, you know, they had a weekly pressure um, mm -hmm. leading up to the game. This weekend, Moxley, one of the things he emphasized was for most teams, you know, the biggest jump that any team has in college football is the difference between week one and week two. Mm -hmm. um, where you kind of find, like you were just talking about, you, you've been in, you know, you've been in a live game now. Mm -hmm. Now sticking from first the first week, what you can do against the second week, and typically, you know, the opponents change mm -hmm. just a tad bit in terms of talent. Um, you know, the first and second week in college football. And another thing I love when he continually talked about what they do. A lot of people ask him about Syracuse and all the things that you mentioned. As there's nothing wrong with that. But Loxley was emphasizing, you know, for which we were talking about with this culture trying to change in Maryland. They're just worried about them and what they need to do, take care of business, they execute me on their business. They're not really concerned with their opponent, which I literally have no issues. Um, Josh Jackson, when asked about the offense, um, he talked about that. Well, what he said was that he liked the fact that Maryland's offense has a lot of answers for defenses can do that. Yeah. Um, which leads to what we heard on Saturday after the game about actually talking about the balance, mm -hmm. which is huge. Uh, we, we know Maryland. That's why I was interested to see what, what Howard came up doing. I'm interested to see what Syracuse does as well. Because there's not a lot of tape on the Maryland offense. There's tape on pre-locks week. There's just the Howard game, right? Mm -hmm. And Howard never really let we, we haven't never tested them. Exactly, the rushing attack, you know, uh, from Maryland against Howard because they came out, like, like Coach Locks said, to take the run away. Right. So how Syracuse, how is Syracuse going to go about the business? And, and the beautiful thing is, you know, with Jackson, he was at Virginia Tech. He's seen those type of he's yeah. seen that type of defense before, so it's not foreign. Uh, the transfer tight end, I keep forgetting his name. He's quality. I think he's going to be big as the season rolls mm -hmm. along. I think he came from Buffalo. 
and whatnot. I know their top rock receiver towards ACL early in the, um, before the season opener, but they still have quality receivers. But like I said, I've always liked Jackson's, you know, his efficiency, you know, passing the ball. So it's nothing he hasn't seen it for before. And the edge that they got, the Syracuse quarterback, he didn't really have a great game against yeah. Liberty. So um, that's why I'm like, you know, I know they're gearing up for that defense, but if they can't put points on the board, you know, Maryland got an advantage and it's home. So that, that never hurts. Yeah. Self-appointed in your backyard. Right. And, um, you know, we got a chance to see, like you said, that first game when we get off the Maryland subject. Um, just with Coach Loxley's adjustments, it's going to be fun watching as the as the talent of the opponents increases, how their coaching staff matches. Right. Um, so that should definitely be fun. Uh, real quick before we get out of our first segment. Um, Friendship Collegiate, shout out its opening, um, shout out its opening opponent this week. They rebounded their season opening loss to North Allegheny, which is from PA, by shutting out Wilson 26 to nothing on the road. The Knights are one on one. Um, they will continue, you know, their season on the road. This Friday, I mean, they take on Belu at 6 p.m. We're going to take a break. When we get back, then talk some mystics, a lot of mystics news. Then I'll tell you, you know, you know, you know, fly, you know, fly, you know, show continue. Watch the focus. We'll be right back. Not much about it. Just your journey to where you're at right now. Yeah. Starting rotation. Yeah. Do you remember what that initial year was like? Uh, to get the nail for you? Yeah, you know, it's like a roller coaster ride. <laughs> uh, no, but um, it's been a roller coaster ride. So, I mean, for me, I'm just trying to challenge myself to just stay, always stay ready, stay confident, stay in the game. Um, do whatever team needs me to do. That means be a good teammate on the bench, be talking on the bench, whether that means uh, be a defensive stopper, whatever coach needs me to do, for sure. Just stay consistent and stay ready. Being all those things that you're yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, I mean, we definitely have a chip on our shoulder because we feel, we feel so strongly about our first five that we want to continue to maintain that energy, um, that aggression when we, when our, when our bench players go in. I mean, like I said, we, we call ourselves bench mom. We're the best bench in the league. We, we, we believe that. And it's not just like coming from an arrogant standpoint, but it's just like when we speak it into existence, we go out there and perform in that way. What, what is it, you know, looking when you guys are about to sub in or whatever? Uh-huh. And like, you guys are literally would-be starters uh-huh. on the other team. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and we take pride in that. And we take pride in And we challenge ourselves to, to do that day in and day out. No matter, and, and it doesn't really even matter about what the starting five does. We just want to consistently come in and, and provide the energy, provide that spark on the bench. Are you, you know, your role is a little bit different at Maryland. Yeah, for sure. Um, are you getting comfortable now with just, like, offensively? Yeah. Like, with your shot? Like it's- yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, it, like I said, even, even with my shot, it's been up and down. But, I mean, when you're playing with Elena Deladon, arguably the MVP this year, arguably the best player in the league, shots are going to be easy. So just being able to get those game reps in practice and be able to knock them down in the game. All right, I had to ask Gary, I don't know why I've never thought to mention this, uh-huh. how much about Coach T did you know prior to getting drafted? Like- his history on the yeah. Yeah, I actually didn't even know as as much as I um, as I thought I knew. I mean, I love I love the NBA. So when I started asking questions about it, he was he was saying he did this 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 and this, and I was like, oh, you did. So I started picking his brain a little bit more, especially my rookie year, just so I can learn. Like the, I love learning about the history of the game and stuff. So just being able to learn more and being able to get drafted by someone of that caliber and, and being coached by somebody like that is an honor. All right, just to kind of stick with that a little bit. That's the guy, you know, drafted Mike. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like even when even when he's on me, I still I still um am honored. You know what I'm saying? Like he sees something in me that somebody else didn't see in me. And I mean, I'm blessed because this is where this is where I wanted to be. And um, like I said, to be coached by somebody like that of that caliber, I mean, to draft the second best player ever, LeBron is the first, of course. Um, it's, it's an honor. <laughs> Uh, you talk about your breath from a coaching standpoint. What are the similarities? Like, you got a coach hard in Maryland, too. Uh-huh. So, like, really develop yeah. the development here. Uh-huh. For sure. Just, I mean, I, it's, it's just changing the perspective. Not uh, feeling that they're attacking me. I feel like when I was when I was younger, I felt like, oh, why are they always on me? But right. being able to switch that perspective and see, like, they see something in me. Just to be coachable and take that and, and, and transform it and use that to um, better myself as a player. Alright then, lastly, I know you guys are still trying to lock up uh-huh. two teams in the playoffs. Sure. This building, uh-huh. how excited are you guys? Step first home game oh in my this building versus last gosh. year. You guys had to travel a little bit, but yeah. you know what it feels like in home, at least from our standpoint, yeah. immediate. How excited are you guys for that first home game? It's oh, I'm so excited. Like I mean, like they have, they have, they don't. I don't think they even like at our season ticket holders. Um, event like I was just telling like you guys have no idea how much that means to us like we feed off that and I know like other teams are like hey we play DC at DC like I know like oh for sure yeah like I mean I feel like that this the intimacy of the the arena I mean the crowd's like into it they're not just like you know sitting there watching the game eating their like concession snacks like they're really engaged in the game cheering for us I like I go to check in I'm like I hear, here we go, Shatour, you got it, Shatour. Like, they're really engaged in the game, so just giving me that, that extra confidence, it goes, it goes a long way. Welcome back to Be Focus TV. I love our breaks, they're so, so fun, <laughs> so much goes on. Um, but up to the Mystics, so again, really enjoying talking to Ariel Shatour, obviously likes to talk quite a bit. Um, both the Mystics, last Tuesday, which is why we weren't here, uh, because we were watching them put the balls on the Sparks. Uh, I don't know a nicer way to say it. Uh, they, beat the, they beat the Sparks 95 to 66. Yep, that sounds about um, right. It could have been worse. They had to buy 40 of them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they finally ran out of gas or whatnot. Uh, Saturday on the road, they held on against, you know, they went up against the Dallas Wings and just held on some late, some sloppy execution. You know, it, all teams have it, especially on the road. Um, the important thing is they held on. They executed late, got the belt. Uh, 28 and 9 from Elena. Emma with 19-7-7. That win allowed the Mississippi to set a franchise record. That was, they have 23 wins this season. It looks like they're on the way to 24, but. Um, yeah. They're currently in New York. Uh, I mean, just your thoughts. Whipping on, up on them, too. Yeah. On, on where they are right now. I like this is my favorite part. Though. Listen, I love this part because it's like, what else like, can you say? They opening up that can, man. You know, beating them like they stole something, as the old folks would say, man. Now they just don't. They try to lock up home court. That's that's the goal, and they have to because the Connecticut Sun are not going away. They taking this thing down to the right. <laughs> so if they slip. They could be going to hey, Connecticut keep possibly. Keep in mind, Connecticut has a tiebreaker. So that's they, the point. Like, like that's just for they know that. Connecticut has the tiebreaker. They know that, man. Look, I, all that, all that, too cool for school. And post, you know, we just gonna keep doing Mike to ball say, you know, just play hard. <laughs> no, they when we leave, all right, we gotta keep going, man. Like, you know, and, and we come in there too. Yeah, yeah, they smack. They and they like, and they're they're not just winning. I know they're they're beating the hell out of people. Yep. Like it's it's bad, and that's sending a message. Like when the playoffs come, we get fully healthy. It's, it's gonna be bad, and y'all gonna have to come here. 
And I've always said that they have the best home court advantage in the league with the new arena. They, no one wants to come in and have to deal with that crowd. So they handle business. I mean, Della Don is the, she's elevating her play to the point as the season closes to the point like y'all could just go ahead and mail that MVP real quick and get this over with. Might as well. Just you put know, my name on it. Hey, now. let's do this. You know what I'm saying? Um, they about to extend, set a, a new franchise record with 24 wins, like you said. So, uh, and it's just a balanced attack, man. No team has been able to figure out their versatility, their ball movement. And then on the other end, they strap up. Like, it, I love the fact that as the playoffs get closer, their defense is starting yeah. to get better and better and better and better right on time. And then, and, and that's just attention to detail, man. They can, they can smell it. They can see it. It's, it's close. And no one, wants to do all this damage and then mess up in the playoffs and lose and it's all for nothing. Especially considering what they came off last year. Yeah, they got yeah, swept. Yeah. They got swept. That's embarrassing. You know, as a bro like we couldn't get a game. If you were a competitor, that's embarrassing. So they're just hungry, they're pissed and they were injured and stuff and they you know, but still they got swept. So they they're playing with an extra motivation. I love it. So um they're not taking they're not taking anybody lightly. They get jumping on them. And um just finish strong at their home court. They get home court. It's their championship to lose. Period. I agree with you wholeheartedly. That, build, that building is different. Yep. We've seen many a strong. Like we all went into that game last Tuesday, expecting to see, the, see a heavyweight fight. Right. It was a first round knockout. It was like Mike Tyson and his run. Right. You know? Like we literally every all media came in their offense. Like man, it's L.A. Washington. We're about to see something crazy, and it literally. And as you were talking about that balance, just so people fully like take this in, they have one of the league's best scorers, right? And obviously, you're thinking like normally, we got some bodies to slow her down. But that's what you can't do against Washington. There's just there's so many, and one of the things he did, I think it was like last year or the year before, where yeah, they space the floor to shoot threes, but they space at the NBA line, not the WNBA line, which makes it so. That closeout's even more long. It's it's a little bit longer now, mm-hmm. and with the type of shooters they have, that 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 little bit of space that you that extra space you have to to make up for. Or, and, I mean, knock down it's shooters, the right? ball movement, man. It's the ball movement. Coach K said it best. A lot of people, especially around here, everything's one on one predicated on one on one scoring. The pass is the most important skill in basketball. It kills literally. It's surgical. And most teams, a lot of players in basketball don't take defense, don't take as much pride as they should in defense. So you can prey on that. And when you're rotating, you're expending energy on top of already huffing and puffing and stuff yeah. like that, just being the normal flow of the game. You're not going to want to expend that energy, but they're going to force you to. And that's when people get lazy, they get lax and stuff, and then the Missy's carve you up. It's to the point now you can't even solely focus on Deladon. It's like she, it's, it, the ball movement so precise, it's like she's another player out there. Like you can see it. They running around trying to keep the ball because it's so many threats. Like, I'm looking at the game now. It's four players and double figures. Another player with eight. And Walker Kimbrough has seven. So, p- potentially, all the players that played tonight by the time the game ends could be in double figures. That's that's death, man. They Like, you can't guard that. So, then, when you moving the ball around stuff and all that, you you kind of lose track. Like, we just got to guard everybody. Yeah. The next thing you know, the ball end up in Delano. And you're like, oh, sh-. you run out three-point line. She pump faking. And then she doing one leg runners or stats that doing one leg three pointers and stuff. And then you just looking at the coach like, man, it's not <laughs> what we could do. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just they in the, they in a hell of a zone right now as a team, man. And I love to see it because they doing it the right way. They playing team basketball. It's not like Deladon got dropped forty every game just for them to win. And no, they, it's a team balance. 
And and that's fun when it's contagious. Like they have twenty three assists as a team, and like Cloud with nine, Meesma with seven. She's having an all shooting night, but she has seven. Deladon with three. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. So, man, look, you know, they keep, it's just it's hard to guard the team, man. It's just hard to really guard that ball movement. And you know, when they're executing, it's nothing you can really do. Yeah, and keep in mind the win tonight. This without um, Tiana Hawkins, mm-hmm. she's resting this evening. Uh, Ariel Powers did not play in either one of these two road games. She activated. Uh, she aggravated. Sorry, not activated. Aggravated uh, glute injury against LA. Um, you know, coach said it was playoffs. Obviously, she played, but you know they're a deep team. They will be okay. Obviously, evidently, <laughs> um, that's not a concern. And this is the other thing. They still don't. You know, they're still waiting the return of. Christy Tolliver, should she be able to get back? Um, I mean, look, they, they held Tina Charles to four points. One of four is shooting, man. Like, no one does that, man. And Bria Hartley, one of eight. Like, quality plays, they're locking them up. Man. It's just Kia Nurse, one for four. I mean, the, the leading scorer for the Liberty is Johanna's off the bench. So, she, You've done your job defensively if you play the Liberty and. Tina, Tina Charles has four yeah, points, yeah, bro. Yeah, like, like two minutes left in the game. <laughs> yeah. You've done it, um, And again, shout out to uh, former Terp, current Mystic Tiana Hawkins, mm-hmm. her contract extension. Um, so much work that she put into herself after having her son. Um, physically and then on her game, and it's only opened up her game. Um, and she is literally one of those pieces. On someone's bench, she's a luxury piece for the Mystics. She doesn't get nearly enough credit for what she does. Um, and it's why, you know, that bench mob is able to do what they do for most of the, for most of the year. But I tell you, go ahead and just fly this fly stuff, man. It's not even going to be that. Oh, not, my bad. Um, got to announce this. The WNBA Players Association announced thir- last Thursday the formation of a board of advocates. Um, leading that pact is Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams, former NBA standards, Alex English, and Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, the union is engaged with the league and collective bargaining agreement negotiations with the aim of reaching a new deal ahead of the 2020 season. Um, the board of 14 unpaid members are simply a resource for players during the negotiation period and beyond. Uh, the top goal is to create significant change in the working conditions of players in the WNBA as well as provide guidance in off-court matters with the focus on three major issues, general advocacy, marketing, and group licensing, and player activism and philanthropy. Uh, the, the the full list of the board advocates are obviously I just mentioned Abrams, Adrian Becker, CEO of Level Four, David Cooper, adjunct professor at NYU, Hall of Famer Alex English, mentioned him, Sarah Flynn, GM of Thirty Five Ventures, Kevin Durant's media company, uh, Sonny Holston, co-host of The View, senior legal correspondent for ABC News, Kathy Kathy Ireland, CEO and chief designer. Catherine Ireland Worldwide and, for, and a former model. Charlie G, the president, Turn 2 Foundation Incorporated and vice president of strategy and development for G Ventures. Uh, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, former mayor of Baltimore. Joyce Roche, former president, CEO of Girls Inc. Stackhouse, head coach of Vanderbilt. And Trish Smith, global chief diversity and inclusion officer for Edelman, P, um, Edelman PR. Uh, Tamika Tremaglio, Greater Washington Managing Principal, and Brent Zachary, Program Manager, Level 4. Thank you so much. That's dope. Um, and this is not going to be a flag was fly segment. This is strictly NFL. Um, <laughs> it starts that way. It's, it's, I can't even talk. Okay, so if you don't know, the season finally starts this week. 
Opening game is going to be Thursday, Green Bay at Chicago, 820. Make sure you are watching. I'm just excited. Football's back. I got a draft in like 40 minutes. Like, I'm, I'm so ready for everything. Um, just a couple notable games that's going to happen this week. Um, let's see. You know, Atlanta's going to play Minnesota. The Monday night games are going to be Houston versus or, uh, the Saints and Denver versus Oakland. That's at 710 and 1020. And then for your NFC East teams, you're going to have, it's going to be a division game <laughs> right out the gate for everybody. Um, the Cowboys are going to play the Giants in Dallas, and Washington is going to play Philly in Philly. So um, in order to get to the first game this past weekend, they had to cut their rosters down from training camp to 53 men um, to start the season this year. Just a couple notable releases from a couple of the teams for your home Redskins. The most notable ones, of course, is going to be Samajay Piran. Um, he's been released. I was a running back as well, as well as Josh Doxson, which I've heard mixed reviews. You know, a lot of people were like, okay, it's time for him to go. And then some people were kind of like, eh. I mean, it didn't look like they wanted to re-up on his rookie deal. Um, He's only scored eight touchdowns in the period of time he's been there, so they look like they were ready to move on, which they have. They did try to trade him, but apparently there wasn't any offers, so they had to release him. Um, for the Giants, it's not too many notable ones. Like a lot of people are going to know, you know, they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, he's gone," you know, because a lot of their players are still developing. I guess um, the one that you can really think of the most is Kyle. Leilata, I can never say his name, um, just because he was a second-year quarterback that was drafted last year, uh, but they've already moved on from him. The Cowboys didn't have too many as well. Um, they cut safety George Ioka, and they didn't really do too much um, as well, but they did also release uh, the two other running backs that they had behind Zeke with this holdout, but they did still keep... Um, former Redskin Alfred Morris, as well as, and I lost his name that fast. Doesn't matter if I lost it. Um, and they have another one. <laughs> and then lastly for the Eagles, just a couple of notable players that they did also release. release excuse me. Um, running back Josh Adams was released. Wendell Smallwood was released. Um, Boston Scott, if you didn't know, they have a lot. They had a lot of running backs. Um, and it was, I figured that this would happen, you know, um, they would be keeping Mal Sanders, jo uh, Jordan Howard, um, Corey Clement, and of course, uh, Sproles signed back up for one more year. Um, they did also release quarterback Cody Kessler, as well as the rookie quarterback Thornton. So that's just leaving them now with Carson as the, <laughs> as the one. Um, it appears at this moment Josh McGowan will be the two. And then whenever Sudfeld comes back from the broken wrist, he will be three. Maybe he'll go after two. Who knows? Um, but just a couple notable releases. Like I said, the season starts this week. It's going to be a fun time. You going to draft Sudfeld? I am not. Left? I'm not. I'm picking eighth, so... He See won't be happens. there. He won't be there for a long time. Oh, that's the disrespect. <laughs> He'll be there the every disrespect day. is real. 
whenever you want him, he will be there, okay? And uh, I'm sure he'll be there when the draft's over. Waiver wire too, he's still going to be there. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, wow. No shade, I'm sorry. But let's, we just got to be honest with certain things. But Oh, also, I did forget, uh, quarterback Orlando Scandrick did get released as well. We did have him. You're so petty. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get back. been all through the NFC. <laughs> He's united, rapid fire. You're watching the focus team. Yeah, that's true. Welcome back to the focus. Oh, uh, these guys are out here trading players. <laughs> these are horrible <laughs> trades. But at the same time, uh, neither one of those trades you recommended were, was worse than what the Seahawks didn't pay for Jadavia Clowney, right which that. I know we'll talk about that a little yeah. bit later. Um, DC United with Black and Red, last time we talked to you guys about them, I didn't go very well. Philadelphia beat them 3-1. Um, but they went to Montreal this past weekend, and they got a 3-0 win, which is important considering what the standings are looking like. They remain in fourth place now instead of falling, which they were in danger of after like 8-2 game slide. Uh, DC United scored all three of their goals in the first half. Paul Ariola had the lone goal outside of Ola Kamara, who recorded his first brace. He now has three goals in three games for DC United, two in this one that just passed. Um, from there, after scoring three goals very, very early in MLS, um, you know, if you're like uber crazy, like if you're a big time score team, you keep the, you keep your foot on the gas. Most times you score, you score three goals in about 30 something minutes. Bill DC United's built, sound a bunker on in, <laughs> you know, and get out of here with the win. And that's exactly what they did. Um, Paul Ariola, that goal went to sixth of the year. Russell Canals, who went out, man, it seems like a month ago with the collapsed lung, he's back. He started his first game since July 27th. And shout out to him for doing exactly, you know, anything that is required of him. He started the game at right back. His normal position is center defensive midfield. Um, and kudos to him for the job that he did. He helped stabilize a position that's kind of been a plus for them for most of the year. Um, the Black and Reds' next MLS game is on the 15th. On the road in Portland, uh, that game did get flexed to a television to a, a uh, primetime game. However, they have a friendly tomorrow at Audi as they host Club Puebla from La Liga. I'm sorry, from Liga MX. But um, rapid fire. Here we go. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way real quick. I tell you, got drafted. I'm already paying attention. So she'll be there. Oh wow. Uh, he gonna be there. Yeah, that's fine. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to get right into it. It's a hot debate going on in the WNBA oh, as far man. as a couple of standout rookies. Uh, you have Lynx rookie Nafisi Collier and Wings rookie Arike Ogumbawale. Uh, pretty much have separated the pack from the rest of the rookie class. And, uh, you know, it's a hot debate on who should be rookie of the year. Uh, what do you, who do you feel gets the age? I'm going to let you go first because I'm going to listen. Uh, okay. Um, and just let me preface this with, just real quick, because, no, because everyone knows, like, like I'm a UConn fan, right? I'm a proud UConn fan, right? That being said, this has nothing with my judgment. If He's a non-biased. Like, I will like, trust me. I was. He's non-biased with it. One of the few UConn fans you'll find after the Stewie years that knew we weren't winning a championship. And said so quite loudly and openly and sat there and watched all of that come to fruition. So, that being said, uh, it's Nafisa. Um, and again, I love Arike's game. Mm -hmm. What she's done is outstanding. It's so exciting to see that type of guard enter the league. Um, it's a breath of fresh air. Right. Um, but again, you know, I think we're getting away. We did this in the, on the men's side. We're getting away from like someone's impact the winning games. And I know people are talking about what's missing. 
um, off Dallas, and no disrespect to the good players that are missing from the Wings roster. Maya Moore is not playing this year for the Minnesota Lynx. Lindsey Whalen is retired. She is not part of the Minnesota Lynx. Simone Augustus missed most of this year and just got back very recently. So that was Sylvia Fowles. And they don't have Odyssey Sims, right? No Rebecca Brunson, which is huge. That, that's a big time winner. All she does is contribute to winning. Um, so there was a lot of things that, a lot of shoes and just a lot of jobs that needed to be done there, right? Because Sill couldn't do everything. Yeah. Um, and not to knock Sill, but that run that Minnesota had, those runs, you can't sustain that forever because there's this thing called time and it just happens. Um, Nafisa has been above and beyond. When is one above and beyond? What was asked of her? I know a lot of people didn't expect this from her. Um, this early, this quick. And she's been consistent. She started the year strong, and she's still consistent. Her team's in the playoffs, if I remember correctly, in last month in the standings, which is big when you think, arguably right now, your second best player is a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the different things she does on the floor, I think we're getting so caught up where we overlook one specific area for everything else somebody could do, and she does all those things well, and they're all important. If she does not do all those things, Minnesota's not in the playoffs this year. Um, and again, this is not a knock to Enrique, but it's a little bit different playing on a team where you know, not to be mean with Dallas, but there, there's no expectations in Dallas. All right, there, there really haven't been. And once Liz got shipped out, that was the end of that, to be perfectly honest. Keeping in mind all the injuries that they had, Skyler's still not back. Um, so she's had a great year, but it's not like it's it's not like the Wings are in the playoffs or something like that. Go ahead. I mean, I feel the same. It's, it's phase. Um, we, we, I don't know where it became cool, where it's just like not calling over Mawale one dimension, but she stands out in one dimension and scoring. I don't know when that became, when one dimensional became better than multi-dimensional, being good at multiple things in sports. Uh, I just think she's the hot topic right now because Fee's been doing it a long time and she's like the fresh something fresh to talk about and people jump on it and obviously her strength is scoring yeah which is entertainment so i think a lot of people confuse entertainment with with real production and lead it's like a dunker you know what I'm saying you be like oh man he the best player in the league but he's not really skilled he's just crazy athletic uh Wale, she's averaging 18.1 point, 0.1 points on 38% shooting from the field, 34% shooting from three, 79% shooting from free throw line. And the wings are 10 to 21. Uh, throwing three assists, 2.4 rebounds and one steal. Cool. Uh, she's coming off a 30 point game against the Mystics, a loss to the Mystics, but she shot 10 to 24. Uh, she extended her WNBA rookie record to eight consecutive games with at least 20 points. Great. She's hooping, no doubt. But she's not winning many of those games and it's not efficient. Fees, on the other hand, is averaging 12.9 points on 48% shooting from the field, 35% shooting from three, 81% shooting from the line, six and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, 1.9 steals, and links are 17 and 15 in the playoffs. Um, she's on pace to be the first WNBA, WNBA rookie in 17 years to average more than 11 points, six rebounds, two assists, and one and a half steals per game, and is averaging 18.8 points, 6.3 rebounds, 3.3 assists, and three steals in her last four games for the playoff bound links. I just think all around excellence and consistency dwarfs someone yeah. getting hot being one dimensional. They have a long way to go. And I've always kind of been, you know, 
skeptical, not skeptical of her game. I know she could hoop. I'm talking about just skeptical of the overall when the team is not good and you're putting up stats. Yeah. There's really no pressure. And they're just looking for really is the evaluation thing. They know you're not a player. We've seen what we got so we can make changes during the offseason. So you pretty much got the ultimate green light. It's a, it's a totally different thing where you're playing winning basketball and it's a set amount of shots you and you got to make them count. Yeah. Night in, night out. And that's what Fees is faced with. And then as a rookie, you come in and you playing basically for a Hall of Fame coach in Cheryl Reed. If she ain't in now, she will be. You see what I'm saying? You're replacing a legend. You get big shoes to fill. You're replacing one of the greatest players ever playing, Maya Moore. And you're coming in and no one will ever replace Maya Moore. But when you look at the links, you're not really crying that she's not there. You haven't heard not one person say, man, I wish Maya was there to be different. It's just like, that's wow. In that's that's like, what I'm saying. Let that register. You're not hearing that. <laughs> and and for, to, to put it in perspective for people who don't watch the WM, it's like the Warriors. It's like Steph, Clay, Draymond, and say KD, you know, they, for whatever reason, they got injured, retired, just decided to sit out the season. They're not there. But whatever rookie they draft with the Warriors come in, put in work, and they're back in the playoffs. That's what Fees is doing this year. That's, that's unheard of. So, it's, and, 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 oh, by the way, no one's mentioning this. She was the only rookie to the, in the All-Star game. She was the All-Star. No other rookie came close. It's not, it's a no-brainer to me. I don't even know why it's a debate. Because people yeah. want something to talk about. Right, and they did the same thing on the men's side. When somebody mm-hmm. started off consistent and finished consistent, they were consistent the whole way through. And, again, I hope people understand that it's not a knock on either one of those two that got hot. I'm happy to figure it out. As a rookie, that's tough. There's so many rookies who don't figure it out year one. But that being said, if you can come in initially, not only figure it out, but become a major contributor to your team and their overall success because of what you just said, the multiple ways you can impact the game, that should not be ignored. No doubt. The Texans traded Jadavion Clowney to the Seahawks for defensive end Jacob Martin, defensive end Barcavius Mingo, and a third-round pick. The Texans are paying $7 mil this year to Clowney. The Seahawks are paying the remaining $8.97 million of his salary for 2019. Seattle also agreed not to put the franchise tag on Clowney in 2020, setting himself for a mega deal either from the Seahawks or via free agency. He, his agent, his, he needed to buy his agent again. A hell of a gift. <laughs> I was about to say. He like, got it done. That's all I got to say. But uh, what impact would this have for on the field for Seattle? Yeah, what yeah, he said. Heard, <laughs> he heard, 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 he So, if I didn't, if we didn't have tackles that I liked, I'd be even more like, oh, my God, right? Yeah. Um, but shout out to Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey. Please stay healthy all year. <laughs> Lord knows you need it. Um, no, nah, I mean, it's a come up for Seattle, right? What are, what are the things that you you know you're known for? You got away from it after you won things, right? Yeah, get back to the basics. And no mm-hmm. disrespect to Frank Clark. You lost Frank Clark. Not that not Frank Clark, but uh, that's a whole clown that you just got to go with a whole Ziggy answer you just got. Yeah. Um, it's a come up, and you didn't lose anything. Oh my God, a third round pick and two people that nobody ever wanted. <laughs> I was like, Who? And I love the fact that, and that's one of those things that's gonna, that's gonna, you know, like you said with the agent, that's great. Look for Clowney's agent. Saw great, uh, great business from the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Keep that guy. You like, you know, you gotta rebuild this again, right? What's the type of guys that you guys got that first go round? You've been missing those types of guys for a little bit. The other thing I'm excited about, he goes back to playing for three. 
He's been in the t- in Texas. He's been standing up as a three four outside of the backer, right? Just to put his hand back in the dirt and go crazy again. I'm not happy that he's in my division doing it, but you know, hey, that's the unbiased. We love it. Yeah, I guess. How <laughs> <laughs> let me that first game when he has like three sacks? I mean, like you said, it's an unimaginable how he got there for little to nothing. Um, it, and like Cardell said as well, like he needs to thank his agent, everything, because everything lined up perfectly for him. And you could tell that he wanted out. Um, you know, he's especially getting that last clause in there to, to not be franchise tag next year. You know, that's a big thing because that was his his major issue. You know, continuously getting franchise tag, not really getting what he feels like he deserves. And kudos to him and his um his staff, his his agents, his his entourage, his team, whatever you want to call them, because. Um, but like you said, on both sides, you know, I mean, maybe not so much for Texans. Maybe Texans was really just wanting to let him go, get rid of him, and let him do what he wanted to do. But that's a come up with Seattle. I'm glad they're not in my division. Any thoughts, sir? I'm just glad he and y'all, y'all call You guys are yes. so kind. Hey, out there in the West. You that's know, the nicest thing you guys ever said. I'm glad, but so no, nah, man, I'm just happy that finally it's rare you see players win in the yeah. NFL. That's I'm true, just happy. too. I'm just happy he won. You know, yep. he and he he was strategic with it. He got everything he wanted, and mm-hmm. actually everything he deserved. Okay. You know, I'm 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 all for you know I'm old school man. I I want players to get treated to what they deserve, and um, because when you kind of get over that, you most players won't abuse that and take get lax and not really perform up to what they should perform up to their contract. But this this guy, you know, he's a beast. You know what I'm saying? So. He, he's he's going to make obviously help the Seahawks become more of a threat and make them better, and I think he he finally understands like it's on him, you know what I'm saying? Because obviously if he don't bowl, that mega deal ain't going to come like he wants. So it's it's kind of betting on himself too. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of both sides kind of like you know what we both protected in a way, and and that's all you ask for. It's a, it's a fair deal, and that's all you ask for is after. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him to get a fresh start. And I hope he get, gets to finally be like all 100% fully the Jadavian clown that we saw in college. Mm-hmm. When he was just a beast. I think he about to hit the whole another level, unfortunately. Uh, okay. Uh, Kobe Bryant sat down with an interview with Value Entertainment. Uh, question about low management came up, man. He said he <laughs> despises it. Um, he said it's crazy. You got a lot of people playing, paying their hard-earned money to come watch you perform. It's your job to be in shape and be able to perform at that level every night as a competitor. I'm not ducking ish. What are your thoughts? I'm so happy that somebody said it. Because <laughs> a lot of times I think, and while they should, I think it's a fine line. Like players, you know, they think about themselves in the grand scheme of the NBA, which they should. But at the end of the day, like Kobe said, they are – entertainment you know unfortunately not to make it seem like they're like a puppet in a show or something but people pay their hard-earned money they they circle games on calendars especially when you're going to a remote place or i say remote for lack of a better word but a place where you know a lot of people don't get out of that area you know the utahs and i'm not even saying just utah but just places that you know they're really there and these players aren't coming there all the time you know so when they see that they're coming they want to see them play um now when it comes down to if you're actually really injured you're actually really hurt 
understandable. But the whole low management thing, like, oh, you know, I'm going to take it easy this day. Like, that's not what the league should be built around. You know, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be ready 24 7, 365 days a year when it's time to play, especially since you're getting paid like it, you know. But I respect it. You know, some people do have to do low management for their bodies, and that's understandable. But I feel like if you're good, you're, you can get out there and play, you can get out there and play. Um, and I respect Kobe because I feel like even though I've, I've never been the biggest Kobe fan ever, but that's one thing that you can never take away from him, his drive and his determination and his willingness to be on the court to play. Yeah, I don't really have anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it needs to be said. I mean, you know, it's just it's, it's irritating, especially when you come to the arena and you might find out. I know they kind of shut that down. You got to let them know well in advance, but – that was just dirty for players to just sit out and have fans traveling from all kinds of way, paying all types of money to come see them, and they're sitting out. It's just, it's it's horrible. I understand they're trying to. It's so much money now. It's more money than ever before. They made. They're trying to preserve the players' bodies. You know, really get their money's worth or whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's sports. There's only so much you could do, and they're playing 82 games. They're you know highly athletic. Players, so they went. So injuries are going to happen. It's just a part of the game. Um, I, I just don't like when players are healthy and they do. If you injure, cool, sit down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, no doubt. You, you know, everybody deserves a break and everything, but you don't play every day either. You know what I'm saying? So you get days off. Uh, like I said, man, like this is what you signed up for, man. If you're not really trying to, it used to be a badge of honor to play 82 games. Now, dude, school was 60 and stuff like that, whatever. They're using the Kawhi things, but he's coming off a major injury that possibly could end his career. It's a different circumstances. That's why I respect the Russell Westbrooks. I respect the Danes. Uh, you know, a lot of the Warriors guys, you know, certain guys, Greek Freak and all them. They, they, they're, even James Harden, they take pride in playing 82 games. It's your job. That's what you love to do. Then do it. So I'm all, I'm all for, uh, what Kobe said. Dallas guard, Luka Doncic. Said we'll make the playoffs. We must. Obviously, Dallas now will have seven through Chris Zingas added to the fold. Uh, do you think they make a run for the playoffs this year? I love his enthusiasm. <laughs> and what else are you supposed to say? I'm not hating. I'm not hating. Because I definitely think that they could, but I just think the West is kind of stacked this year. You know, it's going to be yeah. tough. It's going to be it's going to be real tough for them. You know, um, coming off, don't get me wrong, I, Luca was amazing. You know, I was high on Porzingis when he was still in New York. Um, they have the pieces. I don't know how fast it's going to gel and how well it's going to go. Um, but it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs in the, in the West. That's my only thing. It's not them. It's everybody else. It's going to be real tough. There's, you know, L.A., both L.A.'s. You know, um, Golden Utah. State is always there. Utah is always there. Houston. Houston um, Portland. Port- Portland. I mean, it's. San Antonio. As we continue to name people, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for them to make it. You know, I would be surprised if they did, you know, just because of based off the talent of everybody else in there, you know, but it, it could happen. But at the end of the day, like, you're supposed to say that. I appreciate him not like ducking the wreck, like, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs. You know, because even if you realize it, that's the same way that Dame and, and C.J. McCollum was before they started really getting any respect in the West. You know, they used to say it every year, we're going to make the playoffs. 
they make the playoffs, they guess what? We're going to make the playoffs. We're going we gonna to get past it. So, like, they were taking it a step at a time. And, you know, they got to start somewhere. Yeah, I like it. Put the pressure on yourself. Like, like I'm all for it. It's your second year. Why not? Look like a pro in year one already. Yeah. Um, Real quick. Yeah. Why, why not? You, you got your boy with you, you know, bearing injury this year and Chris Depps. Go wreck shop. Go earn a spot. I mean, we saw how annoying the kid, the Kings were last year's kids. Um, you know, and they, why not? That's what I'm saying. Go, go put the work in and why not? He's a, spe- he's a special kid, special talent. We saw that last year. But like Octavia said, like you said, I think we've all in agreement. The West is real. If they do it, they're going to have to earn it. And I'm fine with that. No doubt. I love it. You know, I'll put their gauntlet down mm-hmm. and make it where, I, like, it, this era would be so easy to be motivated because especially with social media, all you could, if you tired, all you got to do is get on social media, you're going to see somebody saying something. You know, oh, let me go in the gym. And that will always be there as they go along in the season. And if he's not up to par, they will let him know that. You know what I'm saying? So, and it also sends a team message wherever they at. Yep. I better be putting in work. Like, this is what we're working towards. You know what I'm saying? He's the team leader now. He's the franchise. Mm-hmm. He, he got to, hey, set that tone early. That's what he is. And he's a winner. He's used to winning. Like, he's won <laughs> championships at 19. Yep. EuroLeague championships, they don't do that. Like, that's unheard of. Like, EuroLeague eats grown men alive. Dudes that even played in the league over there and get eaten alive. He 19, won the MVP in the championship. That's what he is. That's in his DNA. So, yeah, being lottery and sitting at home, that ain't him. So, I love it. He's setting that tone. They they got the thing on to have to step up or they might have to get about it. And, you know what I'm saying? So, I love it. Uh, new a, a new story. Uh, Roger Bell, you remember him? Former Sixer, former Suns. Uh, oh, what are you uh, doing? Why are you, why are you doing all that, man? What are you doing? <laughs> you got to go ahead. What are you doing, dog? Like, all the body language, man. Like, what are you doing? What's all the body language, man? <laughs> go ahead. Um, well... You know, he said Shaquille O'Neal had a signal to freeze out Kobe Bryant when the Lakers got shot too much. Uh, obviously, Shaquille O'Neal and Rajah Bell played together, you know, at Phoenix. They had a guard, Gordon Gearsett, who's like the black hole. Once that thing hit him, you ain't see it anymore. He shot, he loved to shoot. So Shaq provided a solution. He told the rest of the team we had a signal. They would clench two fists, tap their thumbs, and on top of each fist, and that meant not to pass gear sick the ball. They asked him, yo, where you get that from? He said, we used to have that from when Kobe shot too much. So, uh, do you agree with just having signals, or why, why, or would you just step to them like something, pass the ball? Or how would you handle a player that jacks? I like both options. Um, <laughs> because I feel like in the NBA, number one, there's a lot of egos. And so, yes, yes, yes. if you're in the midst of a game, and it's, you know, an important game, or I- anyway, any game that they play should be important. And if you're in the midst of that, and you just know me saying something to him at this point, may turn it all the way left, I'm cool with the signal. Because eventually, he's going to get the point. But I'm also cool with the stepping to him. Like, hey, like. That's the ball, though. Exactly. And I understand it coming from Shaq, coming from a low post player. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times they are down there working their behinds off to get open, to do anything for a guard that's going to constantly shoot with three people on them, which we have seen Kobe do. Not saying he doesn't make it most of the time, but we have seen this happen. So I understand it completely. You know, it's a little crazy. You know, I'm sure they're going to have to have some conversations after the game in the locker room. Like, hey, bro, like, 
What's the conversation? I don't know. We look. Let's keep it real. This is the DMV. It's a lot of dudes who think they all world that love to jack. It's like, homie, you need to play more with team ball. You ain't got it in you like that to be jacking like that. So I'm all for it, man. Like you said, especially for a post player, they need somebody to get them the ball to do mm-hmm. what they do. And if that thing always going up, and it ain't just Shaq said that, man. We all saw Kobe jacking in his uh, throughout his career and stuff. I remember even Gary Payton said in the interview, you know what I'm saying? They like, you know, he running the offense, and they're like, look for Kobe. He's like, nah, nah, player, man. We get over there, we ain't going to get it back. Let's throw it in there in the big fella. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just real. So, hey, man, look, he got carried away a few times, no doubt, throughout his career, more than a few times. So, I'm all for it, man. You know, just like Kobe had his thing where Shaq, you're out of shape. I'm not giving you the ball. Shaq like, all right. <laughs> look, we ain't passing the ball. Y'all know what it is. So, it, it's, it's it's funny, but that goes on, man. It's just part of the it's part of the team, and it's up to the coaches that to kind of kill all that. But it shows you how petty and wild this stuff could be during the game in the league. Um, Brazil coach slams Giannis after, you know, they beat Greece. Um, obviously, they held Giannis to 13 points. Uh, Greece fell to Brazil 79-78. Um Brazil actually overcame a double-digit deficit. Greece uh, were up, and then they started, you know, swarming. Greece freaking dared everybody else to shoot them. They couldn't make enough shots. And they lost the NBA MVP, finished with 13 points, with fouled out late in the fourth quarter. Um, Brazil's 39-year-old center did a great job just banging with them, not letting them get anything easy uh, using this. Uh, Brazil coach Alexander Petrovic, yes, the brother of the great Drazen Petrovic, who passed away, unfortunately, in the early 90s. Nets All-Star, he quoted say, why this sport is wonderful. You have a guy who won MVP. He's 23 years old. And who stops him tonight? The guy who's 40 years old and kicks his ass. Um, if you know anything about the, the Petrovics, they don't lack for confidence. Um, seriously, if you go back and research, Dryden Petrovic thought he was the best player in the world. And that's with Jordan in his prime. And you know what I'm saying? And he actually gave Jordan numbers in Jersey. He dropped 40 on him. Just to prove his point. Like, he was that competitive when the dream team came to town he like after dream team I'll, i will beat them myself that's that's how he that's how they built man and i could, all you gotta do is respect it um the coach also said he learned how to stop giannis for six months because he watched what toronto did to him in the playoffs how they swarmed him and everything like that um i actually like this i like that giannis got humble in this sense uh he gotta get his jumper right simple or they just gonna keep Shrinking the paint and not letting them just calm down. All the athleticism, they gonna put somebody physical that can bang with them, that's strong as him. Ain't gonna bother his inside game, and it's gonna limit him. So it's really up to him to get better. What are your thoughts on it? I agree. Um, with the celebrity mm-hmm. that Giannis has now, he has to know that every night somebody's coming for him. Every night. You know, if if he didn't know before, he definitely got to know it after he won MVP. They're always going to come for him. So, like you said, I I appreciate, you know, the humbling. Like, you got to get it together. You got to be ready at all times. No matter what, if you've been playing the NBA, overseas, people ball, whatever it is, somebody's always coming for your neck. And sometimes you need that. You know, sometimes you need that little fire underneath you, especially, you know, you just came off an MVP winning season. You know, your stats are good. And everything like that, but you always got to know that it's somebody working harder, working as hard as you, if not harder, 
and to know that you could have that night where you're off and they're on and, and you don't want it's not a good feeling to be that person especially if you're an MVP caliber player and everything you do is going to be under a microscope so um I'm all for it. The comp- the competition is good. Hopefully, you know, it lights a fire underneath him. He realizes there's some things he still needs to work on, and he gets back in the lab, and he gets it together for the season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing, um, especially in this age where everybody loves athleticism so much, and this doesn't have, you know, what I'm about to say doesn't have as much to do with Giannis. It's, you know, just that lesson that, you know, you're supposed to think the game, and credit to that group for doing what needed to be done. Um, that's how you can take in a 40-year-old center um, with help and just shrink someone the NBA struggled to, to deal with, right? Yeah, help. Anderson Barrage, yeah. I was on the Brazil team. Obviously, NBA vet, Bruno Cabago mm-hmm. that came from Chicago. They had NBA bigs with NBA experience, so they wasn't at all, mm-hmm. and they banged them, So. And the good thing is with the type of dude, Giannis is, yeah, I bet you the work that he probably started to put in on Getting that shot, I bet you it's probably going to be another 300 shots on top of that being put up, you know, going forward for the rest of his offseason. I mean, you know, you said it last year. He has to improve that part of his game. And, and um, the, Go ahead. And the thing about working that needs to be talked about more, everybody, you know, the guru, the training gurus, they always criticize. Like, they always look at the part like, what are you teaching them and are you breaking it down? You could do that all day. You could be the best ever at doing that. But it's still up to the player to apply it. Mm-hmm. And – Pressure will re- you got to trust the work. The player has to trust the work. There's nothing nobody else can do and say. The player has to trust the work, and pressure will will review if he reveal if he trusts the work. Yep. Giannis been doing all that, looking like Giannis, just dribbling full court, dunking on everybody. All I've been watching the World Cup. I've been watching him. He's been doing that since the World Cup started. Okay, cool. But like this coach said, I've had a game plan on how to stop him for six months. I saw what to do when Toronto played him. So, if you know if he's seen that from afar, yep. the rest of the league is looking at that. So, you're going to have to get ability to keep him honest and then shoot knockdown shots from the outside. But you want to trust the word. What I mean is don't be scared to do it in the game. Don't be scared to take the shot. Now, he is shooting here and there. I'm talking about consistently. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I, I face you up and you sagging off me. I'm just I'm going to take the shot. Then they know, oh he, oh, he got it now. Then you can do what you normally do. And a lot of players are scared to apply, and that's why they always stay stuck. They're scared of being embarrassed or failing or looking bad and stuff like that. What was the story you sent me about Kemba when he got his jumper back? Um, when he was working on his jumper from early in his career? Uh, it was that he didn't trust it the first few games into the new season. And what um, the coach said, keep shooting it. Keep shooting it in, like, it just I think like the 12th game of the season. It just clicked. He had the breakthrough he needed to see. And then, you know, we see where he's yeah, at. Exactly. Like, and it opened up his whole game because we knew what – what was the knock on him forever? You can't consistently shoot from the outside, especially three. You got to trust it. So um, that's just the thing. They, Giannis, and like I say, I keep saying they better pray he don't get the job because it, it will be nothing you could do. Oh, I mean, with experiences like that, it's probably going to come much sooner than later. Definitely. But I um, want to thank you guys for tuning in. Get tell you guys get over to Finals Mag, my mind sports, as always. And the focus, if you follow those two, you might as well follow the third. This makes too much sense. We'll see you guys next week, same time, same place. Have some Maryland coverage for you. Some uh, We'll be talking WNBA playoffs next week. Because yes. that's literally where we're going to be at. We're going to be in that part of the in, in, uh, NFL week one. That's This year's going by that quick. Yes, yeah. But, 2019 is yeah. almost in the books, man. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in and your continued support. We'll see you guys very, very soon.